Y dos. Y dos. Una. Y dos. Y dos. Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC live stream of the podcast. This is a bi-weekly show broadcasting out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on this show, we talk about art, creativity, city life from a Latino perspective. I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. This is episode eight, In Your Own Voice. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Subscribe to our show and please rate and review our episodes. You can also find us on social media under Cortez NYC Livestream on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. And a quick shout out to a couple of Instagram followers, Mosh Graf and Smurfy138. Smurfy, what up, homie? Smurfy is a graph writer from New York. He's an old friend of mine and an old friend of the show, especially of the classic Cortez NYC livestream show, um, the video livestream. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Smurf, it'd be great to have you on this podcast, man. We've got to talk about this, figure how we can have you on here via Skype or something. We can talk about it. Yeah, definitely. So, let's get on with this show. Telling a story with your art. Carla. Yes. What do you think about that? Telling a story with your art. Um, I was thinking that for a singer, it's very important to find your own voice. And more being a singer, you're using your voice to tell a story. And sometimes we tend to imitate a lot um, other singers. Let's say if we want to sing a song from Alicia Keys, sometimes we want to try to do same style as Alicia Keys. And it's important to find your own style. True, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think in, vi in visual art, I think it's a little... People forget yeah. about having their own voice because you're using your eyes. It's a visual language. I think in books, when it comes to literature, people talk about your own voice, having your own voice because you're, you're typing out words. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's an easier thing for a student or a beginner to understand. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that if you're going to be an author or something, you should have your own voice and speak in your own way. Yeah. Tell a story in your way. But when it's visual art, I guess that's where it could be a little more complicated because you're telling, you're telling a story visually representing being represented with symbols some you know characters or things that are symbolic of something how to find your signature how to find your signature whether it's a way of composing things mm -hmm. or a type of color palette or you know i mean it's it's very obvious to say you know pick an icon and always do that same icon but um i think i'm going to try to focus this conversation on how How to find your voice meaning content, mm -hmm. uh, the, the subjects that you choose. Um, I think that's what I want to focus on. So why is it important to have a voice? Let's start with that. Why, why, why does it even matter, yeah. right? Well, it matters because I guess, you know, we want to be reminded that th there is a human being behind the piece of art. You know, if... if uh, I mean, even the most abstract piece of art, as long as we know that some human put that blotch of paint up on that wall, even if it's abstract, as long as we know that a human being did it, like we kind of get curious, like why did he do that? Or what's the meaning behind it? As opposed to an accidental splash of paint on a wall, you know? 
Um, obviously, with some of today's contemporary art that you'll find in modern museums, it's hard to tell what is accident and what is intentional. Uh, the lines are blurred, right? Um, it's even hard to tell what is art, you know? <laughs> That's true. It's hard to tell what is intentional art and what is just, you know, uh, symbolic, you know, play to kind of get you curious and get you interested, but there's no real intention behind it. Because um, people have been playing a lot with context and, and substance and content. So, but I think it's important. I mean, if you're an artist, um, you should know that that the person looking for art, even in today's modern times, is still looking for a human being, is looking for an author. Um, they rely on the author to stand behind his work. That's, that's why we look for an artist to have a voice, because when I, when I, if I like your work, let's say I like your paintings, you do these amazing paintings, portraits, let's say you do portraits of bunny rabbits, and I love them, and they're amazing. But when I meet you, I wanna know that you're really into that. I'm assuming that you are, but when I meet you, I don't want you to tell me, ah, oh, it's just some crap I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I want yeah. it to be your voice. I want it to be like, when I meet you, I'm imagining that you are going to tell me that you love bunny rabbits as much as I love watching you paint bunny rabbits. That's why we need a voice, right? Like, let's say, let's use a singer, right? Yeah. So uh, let's try to be mm -hmm. a little more interactive here. But let's, let's say if it's a singer, let's say Adele. Mm -hmm. She sings, why do you love Adele? Give me an example. Why do you love her? Her voice and the style of the songs, they're always, the theme of the songs are always super either romantic or heartbreaking. And the way she sings is always on a top level. And, and how much would it suck if you were to go to meet her and she would mm -hmm. be like, I hate, I hate ballads. I hate love songs. I, I hate, I hate drama songs. I just do this for the money. I really hate all of this. I'd rather be rapping. Yeah, you'd be like, you lied to me all this time. <laughs> Feel <laughs> like, so betrayed. It would, it would, it would destroy the value of the art for you. Yeah. Then it's not art anymore. Yeah. Right? I think that happens a lot with singers when they style when they start with a specific style and then they get into the business of music and instead of making music, they're making um, songs to sell. And they're making all this, like fishing and all this, and they lose their essence. That happens a lot, and it's very sad because you feel like, then where is the person that I first met mm. through that album, let's say? Well, and I guess it's the same for artists, for visual artists. And, and I think that's where, even in musician, with musicians, the musicians that you really admire uh, in the long run for their artistry are musicians that that prove that it is their voice yeah that you're following their voice you're following their 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 content mm -hmm. the subject matter mm -hmm. uh again it don't don't confuse voice with their actual voice yeah, voice yeah, yeah. with their intentional content yeah the message they're trying to send the message out. behind the voice <laughs> exactly um so it, back to visual artists now that's a good contrast so back to visual artists visual artists and their voice why do we want a visual artist to have a voice For the same reason, more or less, right? But with visual artists, there's another level to it. A lot of times, you know, I mean, so a musician, you see them perform. Mm -hmm. That takes care of a lot of this, um, this, this uh, convincing us that it's their voice. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? By just by watching them perform it, 
that fills in like half or a little more than half of the information for us. Yeah, because you know, it's real, it's them. When you see them perform live, then you see that you, what you heard on the album is the same. Exactly. And that's why we still like to see live performances because it, it proves to us, quote unquote, proves to us that it, there's a voice behind this. Yeah. And that's why we feel betrayed when it's a lip syncer, right? We yeah, feel betrayed. Yeah, every single time. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So with visual art, we don't have that performance. Mm-hmm. That's why visual artists have to work a little harder to convey their voice to the viewer. Um, there's, unless, you know, I mean, there's a certain scenarios where you can see a visual artist painting live, but for the majority of the times, what we're seeing is their finished product. Yeah. We're not seeing the person behind the canvas, behind the painting. So we're not really seeing the intentions of the artist and all that. So we have to read into the painting and kind of understand what's happening within the painting. And we have to see a body of work. We have to see one piece to the next piece to the next piece to kind of begin to develop an understanding of their voice. Mm -hmm. And if an artist, you know, doesn't display some sort of intention or voice behind their work, yeah, it starts to fall flat and you don't, you, you become distrustful of the artist and of the artist's work. So a voice is important for that. It, it creates identity. It creates branding, but identity more than anything. Um, and it needs to be authentic. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so that's that's some of the reasons why you know having a voice is important. Having controlling your substance, your content is important. Um, now, why should art say something? Like what? What? Um, why can't art just be art? Right. A lot of artists when they're starting, they don't they don't want to explain their pieces. They don't want to mm -hmm. describe what they do. They 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 feel for whatever reason intimidated or shy or they feel like they're the the conversation would be awkward to have with you know the viewer um but why should art say something you know why should a piece of art say something um i i could imagine an answer to that would be you know you you need if your piece doesn't say anything it's just decoration it's just a pretty picture it's just a bunch of colors it's just you know if your visual art doesn't say anything doesn't yeah. have anything to say then it's just a decoration it's just a craft it's just something that somebody did you know oh you're very good with the paint very <laughs> good piece you you do a great job with the paint you know but it doesn't say anything yeah and i feel that visual artists um they have a little bit more of responsibility because it's visual so it's something that anybody can see and if you if you create a message with your piece then maybe you can educate other people uh, into into a, a theme or something that you really believe in and and art is so sometimes it's easy to understand for people that maybe they don't have the background education that yeah you you have to be aware of this it's true um so i mean uh, art can inform yeah basically you know it can can give you new information now that i like what you said when you said um something you believe in right I mean, don't some artists feel intimidated to put their beliefs out there? You know, um, if you do political art, mm -hmm. you know, it could be a little intimidating because you know you're going to end up be confronting or being confronted by somebody eventually if you do political art. Eventually, somebody's going to have some shit to say about what your opinion was. Yeah. Um, if you do uh, erotic art, you know that somebody's going to confront you and be like, why are you painting naked people? What's up with this? What's up with that? Uh, I'll give you one example. I, I did uh, some character of a girl, 
you know, and I made her all shapely. You know, I was modeling it after some pinup girl. So she had like big breasts, big butt and all that. And somebody came on and made a comment, you know, oh, why do you have to draw them like that? That's not what real women look like. That's a misrepresentation of blah, blah. And I was like, you know, that's not, wasn't, that wasn't my intention. <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't trying to represent all women ever. I was just drawing something like, but that will happen. Like, and that makes some artists feel intimidated to put themselves out there. Um, but I would tell you my advice is fight that. Go against that. Uh, embrace it. Realize that if your art creates conversation, then you are doing something right. Mm-hmm. Art that is just decoration has no conversation attached to it. Other than, oh, look how pretty the wallpaper is. Oh, that's a pretty color of, of, a, of a wall painting. Oh, look, the, this room is nice. It's all blue. It's very nice blue. That's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at superficially, you know, if it has nothing to say. But if your art conveys something, it'll start a conversation. It should start a conversation. And that's that's what you should be looking forward to, even if it's a difficult conversation. Um, so something you believe in. Once again, just keeping on that statement. Art should be about something you believe in, or, or it could be about something you believe in. It can be about something deep, like something you believe in, something very central to your personality and your character or it could be just something that you really enjoy mm-hmm. um let's say if i really enjoy painting fish you know portraits of, of different kinds of fish eh, there's nothing wrong with that it doesn't mean i believe in fish yeah, yeah. um it just means that i in really enjoy painting fish i think fish look really cool I'm very i'm very curious about fish you know whatever right but eventually if this is your career and you're spending your entire life painting fish people's perception of your voice is going to be that you are obviously into nature there's going to be assumptions made you're into nature you uh, are into marine life you know um and this is going to spark conversations between yourself and the people enjoying your art that eventually will lead into your work developing evolving into having maybe possibly content about things that you believe in related to that subject matter mm-hmm. so even if it's in the beginning, your your subject isn't something that you believe in passionately because it has no uh, movement, political movement or social movement. Um, as long as it's something that you really enjoy, your movement or your beliefs will come out eventually through your work. Um, another example, I mean, in my life, you know, uh, you know, I've been doing graffiti, I've been doing skulls and that kind of thing. And and uh you know kind of like a street art kind of like a tattoo kind of style like a tattoo art skate art type of thing that kind of vibe and i've been doing it for so long that eventually people just assumed that my personality is a certain way yeah um and you know i mean i eventually with conversations and meeting more people and more people you start to realize the things you have in common with certain beliefs and you realize that you are aligned with certain beliefs and then you know, I've done some political pieces or, you know, I'm not afraid to, I don't hold back. You know, I will do a portrait of something or make some sort of political statement in a piece. And they people connect that together with my street art background and they mix those things together and they develop a sense of my voice, of who am I? You know what I mean? I'm this quote unquote street artist with this anti-establishment mentality. And, you know, they already make assumptions about who I am. Some of those assumptions are a little bit true. You know, eventually, <laughs> if you're painting this stuff long enough and you're in this kind of vibe, yeah, it, it's kind of true. So 
but it's it's something that should you should be embraced you know you should embrace it and you will be embraced by people that share you know that voice with you and that enjoy and support your voice and and promote your voice um so that's other reasons why a voice is important otherwise you'll just be a a lonely little artist somewhere painting mm -hmm. you know rabbits for no reason you know what i mean like yeah um so i mean another thing is uh, you know art we, we were saying art can challenge a viewer right your voice can they can they can challenge a viewer in the sense that it can challenge somebody who who has a different view of or a different voice than yours right but it can challenge a viewer your visual art can can challenge a viewer if they don't know your subject matter to do more research and that's something that you should also embrace uh, and another reason why you should have a voice in your art um, a good piece of art will challenge you in a way that'll make you curious and it'll it'll make you it'll make your viewer think well okay this guy's painting fish that's an interesting fish. i didn't know that fish existed wow that's mm -hmm. an interesting oh those fish are really that color let me look into that where does that fish exist you know like it can start to trigger that um that's something else that your your art should have you know it should it should challenge your viewer it should make them uh explore more um you know this is what people look for art for people look people are, uh, you know it sounds weird but people look at art because they're bored because <laughs> they don't want to look at a blank wall right so they look at art because art gives them information um they're looking for information from you another thing to think about as far as like your voice is you know your visual it should speak for you so think about it like this if you just did a, a pretty picture and you're not there to talk about it to defend it or to or to explain it you should put enough content into your work that it can speak for you when you're not there that when somebody just sees your piece of art it says a little thing a little bit about you as a person as the, as the painter and about the subject that is in the painting so you know even though visual art is a silent medium it, it should still speak for you when you're not around um and you should consider that when you do a piece you should consider is this piece speaking for me what would people say what is it saying about me when i'm not around and it should be a clear message even if an even an abstract piece of art delivers a clear message to the viewer think about that um also Another reason why you should have content in your work, and this is something that maybe Carla, maybe you can chime in a little bit, um, but art that has no voice or content is easy forget, easily forgettable. You can forget about it. The minute you heard it, you, you already forgot about it. And I mean, there's plenty of examples of that in music mm -hmm. where you might have a song or something, right? That, mm -hmm. that was a, amazing and really deep for a minute and then you realize there was nothing to it and then by next year you forgot it. You just forgot it. Like sometimes it happens, a song can come out and they play it so much in the radio that you're like oh my god yeah i know this song i like it after a year you'll be like i don't even know what the song was talking about because it really didn't touch you like it was so maybe so general and so um it was the same as other songs right so you don't hear the difference like you don't hear something that will remind you of that song in another time And I, I was thinking about art also, um, these pieces that they have in, in the MoMA. Um, some pieces that are, when you were talking about abstract art, yeah. some of the pieces that are just, let's say, a red rectangle, and it's just a canvas that is painted in red. Yeah. 
those pieces i think i mean i cannot judge what is art and what is oh, not yes, oh yes you can you have you have a voice too you have an opinion yeah yeah but but for me right those kind of pieces are like pointless because you just have a wall basically painting red so basically the wall that I ha i'm looking at right here that is like uh of white i can say oh this is a piece of art but it's saying nothing it's just of white Yeah. So I think some of those um, artists also, they lose their voice because just because your piece is in the MoMA, it, it doesn't mean that it's saying anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or it, it might be saying something. It might be a conversation between them and people mm -hmm. that are not us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, that's a criticism that modern art has gotten is that it's elitist. It's a conversation between an artist painting an elite, an elitist concept or elitist voice to to other elitists mm. um it's not really for the masses yeah um but uh, yeah no that's a that's a good point um i mean that, that happens also in music classical music avant-garde music things like that you know there's some music that just is not going to reach you mm -hmm. it's not going to reach mm -hmm. you know wide audience um all right so closing this out i think our last my last portion of this conversation is going to be about so how do you find content Everybody's probably racking their brain out there thinking, <laughs> listening to this conversation saying, okay, Chris, all right, I got you. <laughs> But how do I find my voice? How do I find content? Mm -hmm. um, well, I think, I mean, I've heard this so many times told to me from different mediums, from comic book artists to writers to musicians. Uh, when you have this conversation with artists, uh, even actors, uh, especially actors, They say you find your content within your own history. You know, your own history, your own background is going to give you your content that you need. Um, you need to you need to do your own digging, your own soul searching, and and be you have to be self aware. You have to have knowledge of yourself. You have to be aware of who you are in order to be a good artist. And and that equals finding your own content, being aware of your own content. Um, you have to be aware of this. What, how did you grow up? Where did you grow up? What, what you know? What's your family background? How does this impact you? What's your impression of it? Yeah, because now uh, once you know yourself, you know what are you good at, and once you know what are you good at, I think it's going to be easier. And is this is for musicians, singers, and all kind of creatives? You don't have. Sometimes you have to think outside the box, but sometimes thinking inside the box. It's actually very helpful for when you need to think outside the box. Like sometimes we have things that we need to explore our creativity within ourselves and maybe within the things that we live through. And then we can actually um, try something new after we do, let's say, excellent in the thing that we know already. Yeah, I mean, uh, obvious, obvious uh, content generated from your past history would be like something tragic mm -hmm. that's that's typically what people think of something tragic happened in your life and now that's what you're going to paint about or that's what you're going to write about uh if you were uh whatever uh, in a car in an accident in a severe accident when you were little now all your pieces are going to be about tra tra trauma and and you know or if you're an actor you know you're going to use that trauma to make your acting so much more passionate and, and emotional If you're a singer, you're going to use that trauma. <laughs> to, all right. That's obvious. Um, but I think you don't have to be 
traumatized in order to have content. Yeah. Uh, you can just think about your life and, and think about some of your experiences and frame it, frame these things as an, as an artist would frame them and think. What is what is the meaning of, of uh, maybe your upbringing, you know, of your family? What is the meaning maybe of your first relationships that you had, your first uh, girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever it might be? You know, what was the meaning behind that? How did it how did it start? What did it feel like? How did it end? Those things can trigger cues to a to content, to a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can use that. And it's your truth. You know what I mean? Um, I mean sim- simple things like if you want to go away from family and touchy things, go, go into, you know, current events. You know, you, just because you see current events and you're angry doesn't mean that you have to just literally do a portrait of a politician or something. You could also just use some of that maybe those feelings whether it's anger or confusion or frustration and use them towards creating and generating art that has content and has meaning um i think i think that you know your experiences are your primary source um for content uh that that's your main source for content outside of that source for content obviously you can look at music books and other things we've covered this in other episodes but you can look at for inspiration all around you um but if you're looking for your own voice, you're looking within you. And I, that's what your primary source should be. For your voice is look inside of you. Look inside. Um, and then, I mean, along with this, you know, I would say I've, I've done personal projects and I've done commercial work. I think even when you do commercial work, when you're hired to do a project that is you're speaking for somebody else. You're speaking for a corporation. You're speaking for a musician because you're going to do a, a logo for them or a piece of art for them. Uh, maybe you're speaking for a company because you're going to do an, an advertisement for them or you're making a design for them. Your personal experiences will also inform those projects. If you're not putting your personal voice, even a touch of it, even if it's just a little dash of it into your commercial work, your commercial work is not going to be effective. Um, it needs to have a personal voice as well. So any of you commercial artists out there or illustrators out there that are, that are thinking, well, that doesn't mean me. Yeah, it means you too. You also have to use your voice and it'll make you a better illustrator. It'll make you a better designer because it'll, it'll inform people what is your style. Style is another big umbrella statement or a way of describing personal voice. Mm-hmm. It's style. We, a lot of us call it style. That artist has, a, I like his style or I like what he does because it's cool, right? Well, that's his voice. His voice is cool or his voice is angry or his voice is inspiring or his voice is uplifting, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, so that even commercial artists, you're not off the hook. You also have to uh, express yourselves, you know. Yeah, it's going to take you. It's going to be people are going to recognize you because of that style that you have. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think we covered a lot right there. Um I think uh, I've said it in a previous episode, you know, I found my, I just, I discovered this concept of having your own voice through my father, uh, watching him play guitar and sing. Um, you know, he would definitely take a cover song and, and, you know, typical traditional cover song and like inflect his own voice into it and, and really, you know, his, give a message out. Um, even the, the songs he chose to sing. You know, he's very good at, like, picking the right song for the right mood at the right time. That'll get people's attention. Um, and that's, that's, I mean, 
that's something that you you, you want to strive for. I think that's something that really gives your your signature, your authorship. You know, mm-hmm. uh, just like a director would in a in a film. Culture talk. <laughs> Culture talk. My yes. favorite, favorite part of the show because I get to sit back, let Carla do all the work, and talk to us about culture. Yes. So today, on this episode, we're going to be talking about Colombian stereotypes. Why? Glitches and misconceptions. Carla's revenge for last episode. I have to. I have to. Last episode, we had Puerto Rican cliches and stereotypes, and Carla was heated. Yeah, she was she was heated. She I not, know. She I was like, like, oh that. my god! <laughs> but now we're gonna discuss Colombian um, stereotypes, and like always, these stereotypes they come because this is what is being shown in media, magazines, the representations that we have of Colombians um, in mass media in the United States. It's very poor. Exactly. So that's why all these stereotypes are out there. All right, hit me. Um. So. The first one. <laughs> All Colombians sound the same. All Colombians sound the same. No, that's completely false. Yes, it is completely false. I know that they use they use that the, this one Colombian for each every movie that they're gonna make about colombians because every movie they make about colombians is about drug dealers exactly so they're gonna use all the medellin accent and they think that all colombians have that this accent of from medellin i'm not gonna do the accent but i know (laughs) you looked at me like like ready chris go But, okay, okay. but you guys, you guys know, you guys know the Colombian accent, especially Latin mm-hmm. Spanish speakers. You know the the Medellin Colombian narco accent. You, you know, know the difference. The parse and all that. They use all the slang that mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So this is one of the stereotypes that is obviously not. True. It's not true. Colombia's well. So let me just yeah quickly. Colombia's very big. It's got many cities. That's like saying all Americans sound the same. The American from New York sounds the same as the American from Miami or the American from Kentucky or the American from, from Colorado. Texas. Yeah, and that's not true. That's that's how silly you guys sound when you guys think that all Colombians sound the same. Colombia's huge. There's uh, Caribbeans, mountains, and... Yeah, many. and then the city. Yeah, and the big cities. Yeah, so going into that point, we have another uh, misconception or misinformation, let's say, and is that Colombia is a Caribbean country. Colombia is not a Caribbean country. Colombia is a huge land. Thank you. And it's part of South America. Um, it has two coasts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and this is another misinformation that people think that Colombia is a third world country. And it's not. Colombia is not a third world country. There's many third I world areas. I think that areas. right now, <laughs> I think that right now the economy in Colombia is even better than here in the United States. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the details. But, but I know that it's not. It's not a third world country. Um, I mean, in the global scale, they might, you know, it depends who you're talking to. But, mm-hmm. the, you know, if you're going based on the, on the European, you know, Asian scale, yeah, you know, they see all Latin America as third world. You know what I mean? They see anybody who doesn't have a powerful military as third world. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it's, it's, it definitely is not. Colombia has cities. Colombia has countryside. It's a big country. Um, so then I have another one. 
um, that all Colombian women look like Sofia Vergara of had had plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish they all looked like Sofia Vergara. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll be married to a Colombian. Exactly. No, well, okay, so um, what do you it think? It is true that in the... It is true that... No, it's, I don't want to say it is true. But is, there, there okay, have been use, cases... There sorry. have been cases of plastic surgery in Colombia because Colombia... Um, there's a it's a country that has a lot of doctors that do these kind of works. But this doesn't mean that Colombian females are the one getting the job done. If they have the doctors, maybe they have other females going to Colombia and getting the job done. Well, okay, What so you yeah, think? you just yeah. There's, so there's two things there. One thing, yes, Colombia is known as a location to go a vacation place to go get your plastic surgery done mm -hmm. for americans and europeans because you mm -hmm. can get it done cheap mm -hmm. but yes within my circle of friends and family yes <laughs> some of the women have had stuff done yeah i mean so i can't say that it's not complete there's some truth behind it it's, it's just not, a bad stereotype though it is a bad stereotype because it's to say that colombian women prefer to to be plastic to be plastic and to have a plastic body and i don't think so i think that there's a lot of colombian at least the young generation that i've met that they're very like natural and that they're they're um good and they feel happy about themselves and and their physical appearance all right we defunct that one false yeah. okay <laughs> so another one that we talked about it a little bit at the beginning is that every colombian is a drug dealer no we are not obviously not <laughs> but yes there are some of course but, there are some but, but this no it does it this doesn't mean that all colombians are drug dealers yeah we talked about that in our previous episode we talk about it in the latino stereotypes yeah. episode um that's a shame i mean i had to grow up My, my whole life growing up, I always had to be with that stereotype of Colombian. Oh, the dog, coca, ah, ah. And they, the people think it's funny, like, ah, cocaine, coca, ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Colombian snow, ah, 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 Colombian powder, ha, ah, ah. And it's like, that's, so that's it. Mm -hmm. We have musicians, we have singers, we have poets, we have authors, we have painters. Cocaine. That's And what yeah, you got. Exactly. That's what you got. That shows me what you see or what you do. If you tell me, if you're an American and you tell me that all you can know about Colombia is cocaine, that tells me that you do a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and, that, and that the only interaction that you've had with Colombia, my people is uh -huh. buying shit from us. Uh -huh. that's, what, that's what always, that yeah, was yeah, my yeah, interaction. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I get where you're coming from then. You're a customer. Yeah. I'm not a seller though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's an unfortunate thing. Mm -hmm. It is unfortunate. And now I have another one. That is that uh, Colombian are only good at football. So maybe meaning soccer. Meaning soccer. Meaning in sports, Colombia are only good at football, soccer, not and that's gymnastics, it. Not, not gymnastic, not maybe track. You know when they run, yeah. runners. I mean, Colombia has all kinds of sports. Baseball, basketball, yeah. everything. And and I feel because yeah, there is an emphasis on football slash soccer. Um, in the Colombian and South American culture. True. But this doesn't mean if you, right now, guys, look into the Olympics, and I think you're gonna see a lot of 
Colombians winning medals because I feel as Latinos, we are very talented in music and also in sports. So I think that this stereotype is, is definitely not true. And it's something that you have to just be aware and research and yeah, look up other, research. yeah, look up other um, sports that like, Colombia are good at. Like every stereotype, you got to do some research and of find course, out. Of course, yeah. So the next one will be that Colombia equals guerrillas and paramilitaries. There was, okay, so there's, that's tough because there, there's some truth to that. Um, there was a big migration of Colombians to the north, you know, to North America, because there was a big drug problem that was mixed with anti, you know, anti-establishment political movements. Mm -hmm. There was money being made, kind of like an ISIS. What's yeah, happening yeah, yeah. with ISIS, same kind of thing. You, you have a political movement fueled by illegal money being made, funding some of these things, and then obviously weapons being sold to them from North America, from the United States, adding to that you know stew of problems so there is some truth to the fact there's some truth to the fact that colombia had a long history of uh you know political problems but is it all the only thing no but okay that that stereotype is yeah, it's <laughs> and then in your experience have you had any other stereotype like being when you say Well, My parents are Colombian or I'm from Colombia. Well, when I say I'm from Colombia, I used to have the stereotype from other New York Latinas that I would meet mm -hmm. that you're Colombian, you're a cheater. Uh -huh. You're a Colombian. All, all Colombians are cheaters. Uh -huh. And But then I started hearing that about all other cultures yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in my research, looking out for these stereotypes, I came up with one that said Colombian women are easy. So I don't know. I guess that's that goes both ways, that yeah. stereotype. Yeah. I think But I, you think hear about that about so many... About all Latinas, really. Yeah. And I think it's because of the representation that we have in media, the The ladies and the actresses and the characters that were portraying in movies and TV shows and all this, the majority of them present some uh, like an image of we are so sexy and and we are so free and we can do whatever we want. And in reality, it's not like that at all. There's a lot of religious aspects that they don't show in these TV shows that actually makes Latina f women feel, I think, like more, like uh, they even have to, to respect more their families, respect more their religious views. So it's, it's definitely not true, but this is some of the stereotypes that I guess uh, Colombian females have feel of, have had said to them. Yeah, um, I mean, I've heard, It depends who you're talking to, but I've heard <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard stereotypes of Colombians are all short, uh, uh -huh. and I'm like, no, no, I, I, I might be short, and you know, some of my people might be short, but no, there's a lot of tall Colombians too, very tall Colombians. Look at actually. your brother. Yeah, <laughs> um, I've heard stereotypes like, well, I mean, I've heard I've heard stereotypes depending on who you're speaking to. Uh, you know, Colombians are uppity; they think they're better than everybody else. Mm -hmm. 
And that's not true either. If you get to know enough Colombians, you realize that they're very humble people. Mm -hmm. um, you might have come across some douchebags in your past, mm -hmm. you know, but don't judge the whole culture based on some of the people you might have met. And like we said, it depends where they're coming from. Because yeah. I think it's the same as here. If somebody from the city, from New York City, goes to another place, they're going to think, oh, because I had all the experience in the big city, I might be a little bit better than you. So when they come, I feel... When they come from Bogota, from over there, and they're from the city, I feel like they might feel a little bit more entitled right. to say like, hey, but I was from a city and whatever, and yeah, I had my good life, and yeah, I'm here, I'm, I'm doing good here too. Yeah. But I've met other people from Cali, and they're super humble, super open, like they receive you in their house as if you're part of their family. So it depends who, who you meet, and you really have to get to know the person also. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, another one that I would say is that all Colombians know how to dance salsa. <laughs> <laughs> salsa como, como en Cali. I went... <laughs> como como un caleño, un caleño. I went to... Um, I remember I went to Japan. And in Japan, in Osaka, Japan, I was uh, at a graffiti event. And I met Brazilians over there, Brazilian-Japanese. Brazilian... Half, half Brazilian, half Japanese people, and they... Well, what a mix. Yeah, and they um, they were very familiar with Mexicans. They were very familiar, familiar with sp people from Spain. So they assumed that I was from Spain. Hmm. And they didn't even think of me as American. They just thought I was from Spain, Spanish. And then I said, no, I'm Colombian. They were like, Colombian! <laughs> and they were like, salsa, we love salsa! <laughs> and they were dying to take... They were kind of like setting up scenarios to put me in a situation where I had to like show them some dance steps. Like... <laughs> Oh, yeah, let's just go down the block let's have a drink just so happens that they play Spanish music oh my god <laughs> so that was fun that was a funny experience and, I, and it you know it definitely taught me a lot about being outside of the United States you know myself who I am mm -hmm. how people are going to interpret me um, and being in Japan and finding out that being Colombian in Japan had more value mm. than being American yeah you know and that that showed me that the path that I took and my family took was worthwhile. Yeah, know? yeah. It's that, another topic for another show. Yeah, that is another topic for another <laughs> show. So these are the stereotypes that I found out that we shared here in this section. If you guys have any other stereotypes, just comment on the post for this episode, episode eight. You wanted me to teach you, right? Ahora sí, hablar español, Carla, háblenos. Vamos a hablar español colombiano. What? What? Okay, let's start with the art life section. So, voz. Voz, voz is voice. Yes. Voz. Mensaje. Mensaje, message. Substancia. Wow. Substancia, substance. Yeah. In Spanish, that word is is used more like in the scientific terms, but... Right. Historia. Historia, history. Yeah. But it's also used as story. Yeah, yeah. Even though, because cuéntame in Spanish... Una, cuéntame una historia. In Spanish, story actually means um, cuento. Uh-huh. But because we're talking about your story, it will be history, like... Historia. Tu historia. Tu historia. Okay. Um, evaluación. Wow. Like you're going advanced on us. You have to learn. Come on. 
Evaluación. Eva evaluación. I don't think I've used that word. Evaluación. No? No, I don't think I've ever in my life had to use that word. <laughs> Evaluation. Yeah. Evaluación. 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 Wow, I gotta practice that one. Evaluación. Mm -hmm. Estudiar. Estudiar, I've used many times. Estudiar is to study. Yes. Investigar. Investigar. Vamos a investigar algo. I've used that a lot. That's investigate. But it also means research. What? Okay. To do research. To do research is investigar. Investigación will be research, basically. Nice. All right. Learn something new. Contenido. Contenido is the contents. Ooh, yes. Contenido. Contenido. El contenido del mensaje de la película. El contenido de la película. Yes. Got it. Olvidar. Olvidar is to forget. Mm -hmm. Voy al... ¿Cómo voy a olvidar? No te olvides de mí. <laughs> okay. And now we're passing into the Colombian Spanish. What, what? What? Que chimba, hombre. Que chimba. Que chimba. Wait, so you're going to hit me with Colombian slang? Yeah. <laughs> you got to tell me what it means in English. All right, go ahead. Que chimba. Chimba. Chimba means uh, how cool. Like yeah. cool. Chimba is cool. Like, like if something is chimba, you know, que chimba, or you're saying like, wow, how cool. Like, how, like it's the, the shit. Like it's... Yeah. Que chimba. It's popping. Okay. Um, tengo un guayabo. Guayabo, we covered that previously in another episode. Guayabo means hangover. I'm an expert already. Thank yes. you very much. Que hubo parcero. Parcero. Que hubo parcero. Oh, and que hubo. Que hubo parcero. Wow, you guys don't say que hubo. I forgot about that. <laughs> you guys don't say que hubo. All right, Colombian say que hubo. Que hubo is actually que hubo. Que hubo. Like what's, what happened? What's up? Actually, what happened, past tense. Que hubo. Yeah. But Now it's also like... No, que lo que está pasando, que pasa. No, es que hubo. Yeah, but it's also like uh, like saying hello. I like understand que hubo, that. I que understand hubo. that. But literally, uh, first let me tackle it literally. Well, yeah, okay. Then. Because I can I can show up to a place and be like, what happened? Or what's up? Like, what's up is yeah, different yeah. than what's happening. People yeah. used to say what's happening back in the day. Okay. So people used to say what's happening. Or they could say what's up. Okay, okay. Or they could say what's going on. Okay, so... But that all means hello. Que parcero. Que So, que is like what, what happened or what's happened. Okay. Que And parcero? And parcero, parcero is like your homie. It's yeah. like your, your, your comrade, your... Yeah. Your, your mate. <laughs> so, the next one is guaro. Guaro. The guaro is short nickname for aguardiente, which is the Colombian drink. Yes. The national drink. So, aguardiente literally is fire water. Agua ardiente. It's, it's water that burns. That burns. Mm -hmm. So, agua ardiente becomes the word aguardiente. And then, aguardiente becomes guaro. guaro. Pásame el guaro. Dame un guaro. <laughs> Yo lo mezclé ahí con dominicano. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think you kind of slid it over to Dominican. <laughs> But it's, it's all good. We could all enjoy the guaro. Of course. What else you got? That's it? That's it. Sorry. Oh, okay. So, I, I got a couple of you, a, a couple for you, some old ones. Dale, dale. That I, I grew up. These are words that I grew up with. Mm -hmm. um, chévere. Mm -hmm. Chévere is an old one. Chévere means cool. Yeah. We um, use it also. I don't even know literally what chévere. Me neither. Right? Yeah. It's just like an expression. Yeah. Oh, qué chévere. Sí, eso está chévere. I like, wonder, oh, I wonder where cool. that, wonder yeah, where that cool. comes from. 
All right, so chévere is one. Um, means cool. Berraco. Berraco. Berraco is something I grew up my whole life listening. Like, that's what you wanted to be. You wanted to be el más berraco. Like, <laughs> like, if you heard berraco and it was pointing at you, you were like, oh, shit, I'm the man. <laughs> what? I did that shit. Pero so, también dicen, que berraquera. Que berraquera. Like, like uh, there was another one, tenaz. Oh, sí. Tenaz. Like, berraco, tenaz. It's just like amp words mm -hmm. to amplify a feeling, mm -hmm. right? So, um... But yeah, Berraco was one that I, I remember growing up. Was, was It's like, you're deal. the man. You're the man. You're like, you're the shit. And or this is the shit. Or, or this is the shit, mm -hmm. right? And then tenaz is like intense. Mm -hmm. Tenaz. Que tenaz. Like, what? Like, it's, it's tense. Man. You got me. <laughs> I'm lit. Um, all right. I think that's it. Yes. Well, this concludes episode eight in your voice. I hope you guys have discovered how to find your voice and your own colombian voice with all these slang words right mm -hmm. we <laughs> hope you learned a little bit <laughs> um so next episode is going to be episode nine go big um we're going to be talking i'm going to be talking about in, in my art life conversation about painting big murals what does it take and what can you expect from that experience And on Culture Talk, we're going to be reviewing the movie Coco. What? Yay. Our first movie review. Yes. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Coco won an award, right? It won the best. M multiple awards, no? Or one? Uh, it was, I think, it, oh, yeah, yeah, it was two. Best animation and best song. All right. So I'm going to look for, looking forward to uh, re-reviewing that one because I saw it once. Mm -hmm. I liked it, but I think this time we'll sit down and really carefully analyze it and yes, share we'll go that information. Point by point. And like always, we're gonna be. Hablando español. <laughs>